Hey everyone, welcome back to episode 16 of Attitude Check, the business leadership podcast. Today we are so excited to have Frank Sinclair as a guest. And Frank is a really unique individual and y'all are going to eventually enjoy hearing the wisdom that he has to share. Before we jump into this episode, Brent, tell us something new. So John Mark, so glad you asked that because there was a question I've been wrestling with for the past couple of days. Um, there's a book I'm reading that was recommended to me uh, by my boss. It's called You Can Have Everything by, I think, the author's Bob Dunwoody. Um, it's not a huge book, but one of the questions is, who are you? And I know that sounds very simple, but the concept is, you're not just your job title, right? You're not just a student. You're not just a manager. You're not, you know, X. Your job isn't who you are. So if you lost everything you had today, all of your physical resources, if you had nothing, if you're just on a desert island by yourself, who are you? And that's something I've been, I've been working and wrapping my brain around for the past couple of days. Oh, that's a hard question to answer. That's going to make my brain hurt more than it already is. <laughs> but I think that's a really good and pivotal question to ask yourself because the reality of it is the things that you talked about, they're all material. So when you strip them all down, who is left? Exactly. And I don't think that's a question that the book expected you to answer on the spot or even at the end of the book. Um, I think it's more of a, a lifelong journey, so to speak, that people have to discover over time. Some may get it right away. Some may take years and years to figure it out. But I think it's a worthwhile question to think about. Really what it comes down to is be authentic. Who is your most authentic self. Thanks for bringing that up. Without further ado, let's jump into this episode with Frank Sinclair. Endeavor to challenge yourself every single day. Engage with your community, effect change, and produce impact. I'm John Mark Radspinner. And I'm Brent Sabati. And this is the Attitude Check Business Leadership Podcast. We have the conversations that young professionals should be having, but aren't. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Attitude Check. Today we are so excited to have Frank Sinclair as a guest. Frank is the Chief Encouragement Officer of Dream Again Business Consulting. Frank, to start out, tell us something about yourself that people don't typically know. Well, I was born in uh, North Carolina, and people think of North Carolina as the uh, Southeast now. But when I was there, it was just the South. And my schools didn't integrate until I was in the eighth grade. So my upbringing was uh, uh, from sharecropping families. My parents finished only sixth and eighth grade, respectively. So my upbringing was really a version of those old stories that you read about tobacco cropping, cotton picking, mm -hmm. all of those things that is probably foreign to you guys. It's definitely not something that we've had experience with, but how did that how did that shape you and kind of growing you into the man that you are now? The original shaping was wasn't very positive. I grew up with a real uh, low self-esteem or self-worth issues, so had a real tendency to sabotage because I really didn't think that I was as good as other people. I always consider myself less than because of what I experienced. I only knew my first person that wasn't black when I was 18 years old, ever. Wow. So having those early lessons and imprints that were deeply embedded in me. So, so you had some barriers and hurdles to overcome. Yeah, we all do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In retrospect, they were things that 
people just don't know about today, but that's what I experienced, going to the different bathrooms, all of the things, not being able to go to the store, having different places on the bus, school bus to sit, uh, et cetera. So yeah, I experienced there, all of them. You've kind of already started your story, but share with us a little bit more about how you got to where you're at now. Well, I think just like most people, anyone that gets anywhere in life doesn't do it alone. I was a four feet 10 inch sophomore in high school. So you can laugh at any time now. But anyway, because that's what the girls did. <laughs> it's me on a personal level. <laughs> <laughs> I feel you, man. But it, it was tough. So you put all of those conditions together. The way I was raised, we were extremely poor. We were raised in government-assisted living. Uh, we called them the projects. And so I had always been fairly academic. So I love the learning process, but I wasn't valued in the project. So the bullying that went along with being such a short guy and not really fitting into my own neighborhood and the tracks that were in our city were not just metaphorical. They were actual physical tracks that separated one part of our city from the other. So all of those things can initially instilled in me anger. So how was your typical uh, black guy coming out of the South with a chip? And that's what it was originally. But the, the people that met me, I went as I went into the Air Force when I was 18 years old to escape that type of lifestyle. I knew when I was nine that I wasn't going to live there once I got an opportunity to leave. So I left uh, and. And here in Colorado at Peterson was my first duty assignment. And people really embraced me. And they really saw the inherent talent that I had. And they nurtured that and gave me an opportunity mm -hmm. to grow. So just like anyone else, depending, regardless of your background, you need other people to pull you along to help you to believe in yourself and to believe in you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's an awesome point of, you know, having those people along the way who kind of support you. Um, but kind of going back, you mentioned, uh, you know, the kind of path your parents didn't have the traditional education. Coming from that sort of background on a you know, lower income upbringing, what are your views on traditional education path nowadays? And, and what kind of value do you see in education in a formal sense and just lifelong learning in general? Well, I'm probably more of a proponent of lifelong learning. I've since become a degree owner, uh, earner myself and um, couple. Uh, that, that's a great question because I, as I look at education in, in modern America, education has always been enthroned or people have had the opinion that the more educated you are, the more better choices you're going to make and the better things you're going to do and the better outlook there is for your life and the better emotionally stable you are. Uh, I think that's all bunk. I really do. And I think that we have really caused education to not have as much value as it used to in the old days. I don't believe kids are challenged as much as they used to. I think everyone is given a path to college if they will take it. And you, someone said, well, what's bad about that? I think there's a lot bad about that because there's a lot of kids in college that shouldn't be there. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of kids that go through school that shouldn't 
have degrees, actually, and vocational school is becoming much more in vogue now, so that's a real good return to some values that are going to help us place people where they should be. The long and short of uh, my answer to your question is that I think education had taken a wrong turn in our country, and in our haste to make sure that everyone has a BA or BS, probably more BS than BA. Now <laughs> uh, <laughs> 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 that we've re- we've missed the real intrinsic value of education and giving people an opportunity to step in what to, to what they were created to be. Yeah, and I think both John, Mark, and I can you know agree on that point. We think there's, like you mentioned, a lot of people in that traditional four-year program now that realistically shouldn't be there. There's not that return on the time they spend there uh, for what they want to do in the future. But you being a degree holder, what would you say is the biggest value you got from going through that process of, of earning your degree, You know, even though you're a proponent of more of a lifelong learning style. Well, I think for me, I don't know the value. You know, some people want to know that for jobs and opportunities and et cetera. I don't know if I've gained that much value, to be honest with you. I think it was just I did it because, number one, I I love learning, Mm -hmm. and I always have. I didn't earn that aptitude. It's just something that was given to me. Mm -hmm. I've always loved it, and the end of that love was a degree. (laughs) <laughs> you know, so, and coming from my humble backgrounds, I thought it kind of, it really helped with my own self-esteem and, and my uh, self-worth issues to know that I had something that other people valued, probably even more than I did. So Frank, now you're the chief encouragement officer of Dream Again Business Consulting. So tell us, you know, how that idea started to form and how you got started in that path, helping businesses, you know, through their different uh, problems. Well, let me, let me, could I go down the timeline? Yeah, of course. you mentioned, I think that would be good. Um, I spent uh, three years in the Air Force here at Peterson, then I went to Pope uh, Air Force Base, North Carolina for 18 months, and I spent the last three years on Okinawa. So during my time on Okinawa, my seventh year there, I became the second youngest E6 in the entire Air Force. So my career was moving forward at a very fast pace. About three weeks after receiving that rank, I woke up sweating and in terror because here were the thoughts that were going through my mind. The imposter, classical imposter (laughs) syndrome. Who do you think you are? Here you are, uh, these people that are 10, 15 years older than you, you are leading you are fraud, and they're going to find you out. It's just a matter of time. So, and from that day forward, something flipped in my mind about my career. And I began to drink heavily. I, I began to not go to work, do all kind of crazy things. So by my eighth year in the Air Force, when it's time to reenlist, they wouldn't even allow me to. I had to get out of the Air Force forcibly. In that time frame, I had a girlfriend and everything in Japan, so I wanted to live there, but you can't you can't get out of the military on foreign soil. So they sent me back to America, fast forward. I go say bye to all my family in North Carolina because I'm going back to Japan and live and marry this girl so I can be legal and et cetera. And I mean some ridiculous thought came to mind, why don't you go back to Colorado and say bye to some of your old friends? 
which made no sense because I couldn't get on the base anymore. I wasn't even in the military. There were no cell phones or anything. Who was I going to call? Yeah, and those type things. So I, I holed up in a rest in a motel down in South Nevada. In three weeks, I went out and drank and partied and did all the stuff a 26-year-old alky does, right? And I woke up after the third week, and I had an... Uh, a motel owner with no compassion whatsoever. So I had blown all my money during that three weeks, couldn't get a plane ticket to go back to Japan, and I ended up as a homeless guy in the streets of Colorado Springs here. So that was my venture back to Colorado Springs. <laughs> I woke up as a, a guy sleeping underneath a bush downtown in Acacia Park. And here's the odd thing about that. I enjoyed it. Because all those messages that I had gotten my entire lives had come to fruition. I was with people that understood me. Mm-hmm. I was with people. And of course I would end up homeless. Look at what I thought of myself. You know, look what I thought my path would be. So homelessness, I think we missed the point when we look at homelessness as just something that's out there. Everyone has to be mentally ill. Well, they are, there are. There's mentally ill people in general population. You know, everything that you have in a regular population, you have in a homeless community. It's just a subset of this culture, of people that don't want to live in the hustle and bustle of this culture, for the most part. So, hmm. I integrated well, became a leader in the homeless community, and go. we had the same rules. You could get thrown out for doing certain things. You cannot have the protection of everyone else over certain things. All those rules and mores uh, that were developed in the homeless community. And one day, a businessman who had walked to Acacia Park every day on his way to work stopped by and struck up a conversation with me. And he had seen past the obvious to something else. He said, man, you do not look like you belong out here. Tell me your story. I did, and he took me home. And July 2nd, 1983, my life changed. One year from sleeping underneath a bush in Acacia Park, I was the chief of the fuels management branch at the Air Force Academy. That was a track. Who knew, right? (laughs) Who knew? That's an amazing story. You see that kind of thing, and that's what they make movies out of, basically, right? You have that that you know one opportunity that comes along, and everything just kind of switches for you. Mm -hmm. Is that something that you think back on a lot? And you you do you ever, I guess, question going back to the imposter syndrome thing? You know, what would have happened if I didn't come across this person, or you know, what would my life look like if if, you know, just a little turn in the road happened? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, to be perfectly honest with you guys, the imposter syndrome still exists. The mode or the uh, self-sabotage is still deeply embedded in me, so I have to manage that. It's not like it magically goes away, you know, in <laughs> one day that I'm okay with Frank. Yeah, that's never happened during all these years. So in smaller ways, I can look back on my life and know that, that I've sabotaged uh, in, in, in smaller uh, ways during the course of my life. Uh, nothing recently, but I have done that because I go back to those times where I feel like that I don't belong, that I... I got kind of a a boisterous personality and and charisma and all those things. So no one thinks that's what you think when you're 
when you have my personality type. But I, those struggles are still real. So the story forward, I met my wife in church, and um, that was really a game changer in my life, uh, my spiritual life, and 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 that happening for me. A year later, Randy, my son, was already there. He was 17 months old when I met Debbie in church, and uh, he's 36 now. And so he was there. We had two daughters afterwards, uh, Danielle and Brianna. Uh, my oldest daughter, who lives in Indianapolis, she was a child of my youth when I was 20 here at Peterson Air Force Base. So her mom and I uh, never were an item but she was one so be honest we don't know what we communicate but we don't know each other Mm -hmm. that well because we never lived together uh so that's how my family formed and just the normal rigors of life i went back to bible college and and uh, became a pastor and uh for a short period of time here in colorado springs as well and that really exposed some stuff in my life. <laughs> I'm telling you, nothing exposes you like that. So, yeah, in our marriage and lots of things went wrong. So I left that, and that's when I began my career as uh, in leadership development and in a personal communication with a company called Deluxe. So over the next many years, I've spent uh, teaching and facilitating leadership development, diversity, interpersonal communications and the way that we connect in the workplace. So that really was my beginning of uncovering my my gift for doing what I do today. The outcome of that with the certifications and everything that I had. I've done other things in between. I worked at Colorado Springs Utilities for a while. Uh, I managed at Adelphia, who was predated Comcast for a while, and a couple other things that we'll leave off the table. Not to embarrass the companies, but but <laughs> 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 I did. My son Randy uh, founded Elite Roofing twelve years ago, and I went, "Oh my!" You know, entrepreneurship is really the gist of life. It's really what I was afraid. Uh, the messages, plus I was, I was raising children still and the insecurities and all those things. So I, I would never tackle that, but I would help him along the way with his business, particularly on the development side. So about five years ago, I went to work for him full time as director of business development. And that gave me the opportunity for real business exposure and to get embedded in a community here in Colorado Springs. So I just started meeting people, loving people, just having fun. No one even knew I worked in roofing, I don't believe. <laughs> yeah, so what's he going to do, fire me, right? So, <laughs> so I just built a real platform around the brand of me, not the brand of Elite. So that was a natural movement to dream again, be informed. Uh, I read a book. And the, by Ray Johnston, is called The Hope Quotient. And he said the number one thing he does every day is encourage himself. So to be encouraged. I said, wow, that resonated with me. So I started trying to find ways to encourage myself every day. So that I go out full of energy and life and being able to help people. And that was the outcome 
of Dream Again Business Consulting. Our tagline is bridging the gap between discouragement and hope. I think that kind of comes, you know, full circle from the story you just told us about how you got to this stage. But can you dive a little bit into how did you come up with the name Dream Again? Is there a certain story behind that too? Oh, Dream Again. Gosh, no one's ever asked me that. That's an astute question, and I have no idea what the answer is. <laughs> uh, I knew for me, on a practical level, I, for me to go out in entrepreneurship at that time, uh, in my 50s and late 50s even, because I'm 62 now, that I had to dream again. And, and my wife and I talked over that name. She said, wow, that resonates, you know. Why don't you call the business dream again? So I, I thought, wow, where am I going to make the most impact in my life is helping people uncover uncover their dream once again. That that's a really amazing concept because if you think about it, it's not a linear, you know, growth of anyone's career or life. There's always those ups and downs and hurdles mm-hmm. you have to come across and some people have a struggle once they hit that, you know, that hurdle or that trough. They can't get out of that funk, so to speak, and, and get back on the path. So yes. I, I really like that concept of rediscovering, you know, what you want to do and having someone help you, you know, to move forward with that. So. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I am totally sold on the concept that if a person would trust me with their story, if we can uncover their story, that their purpose will unfold in the midst of that story. I'm totally sold. I believe it happens 100% of the time. I don't believe it can fail. And if you really grab hold of your purpose in life, then your destiny unfolds right before you. Well, it's cool because you sharing your story and kind of taking us through where you've been and all the difficult situations that you went through to where you're at now, Mm -hmm. it kind of, there's a pattern of the leadership and also seeing in yourself that self-sabotage mm-hmm. and wanting to make sure that other people didn't do that to themselves. And so now you're encouraging them and supporting them and ensuring that that doesn't happen because you know what it's like. I do. That, that's very astute of you as well. That, that's exactly the path. And we just disregard the painful times of our lives and we say, well, I'm going to forget about it or dismiss it or overcome it or whatever that means and and et cetera. And I believe in in essence, what we're doing is wasting our pain because there's a, a, a specific reason that you go through the things that you go through in life. You need to not waste, you need to embrace it. That was part of my journey. It's what gets me from A to B. It what, what uncovers what I'm passionate about. It, it's what helps me show up every day, the, the best version of me. So it's not bad. It's just life. Everyone's going to experience it. I've, I've met no one yet that hasn't So at any age. So that, and not only that, it's another facilitator of, of synergy force. Because that's what we can all rally around, regardless of what generation we're in, is that we've experienced pain and we want to know why and what's the purpose for it and why does it help me move forward to be the very best that I can be on earth today. So Frank, I really like that idea of being able to embrace all of those hardships that you face and all of the struggles that you go through in life because I agree, you shouldn't just push it past and forget about it because that's an integral part of what makes you who you are and how you learn and everything like that. So with our younger demographic, what is 
a, a struggle or a challenge that you see, you know, something that we should learn to overcome? Well, I believe humans are notoriously unbalanced. Not just you younger folk. I mean, <laughs> all of us uh, we will always snatch something and go to an extreme on one way or the other. What I'm seeing in the younger generation right now is, uh, let me say the positive is what I see, first of all, because real good. I think you're corrective to my generation. You know, a generation that was really, really all in it for the personal gain and what it could do and how it would make us look and et cetera, et cetera. So you're corrective. You're going, well, no, that's that's not the reason. That's not what I was born for. I was born to leave a legacy. I was born to make a difference. I was born to have a purpose. So you guys are going headlong into trying to find a purpose for what you do, why you do it, the why. You know, which is a great question. The reason that book is a zillion seller, but <laughs> <laughs> right, right, because we all are looking for the why in our lives. So when I look at a young generation, one thing that is troubling to me is that uh, because of that corrective, they've gone too far to the other end of almost dismissing money sometimes or the resources it takes to build the footprint they're looking for to make a difference. Uh, it's not about money. It's uh, people over profit, you know, et cetera, et cetera. We get so in, engaged in that conversation that we forget the resources that you need in order to make the footprint that you want to make, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and stay in balance there and knowing I don't, that's not the, the end goal. Uh, the money, but I need to have resources for the end goal to happen mm-hmm. and bringing that back into focus because I think it's gone too far to the other extreme. And I want to touch back on something you mentioned, the the purpose or the why behind mm-hmm. your mission in life, so to speak, and tie that into what you mentioned with your business, which is uncovering a person's story, basically. Mm-hmm. So I think that can be a powerful tool. We've talked about storytelling a little bit before on older episodes. So would you have any tips for someone who maybe wants to delve into and think about their own personal story and use that as a tool to find what their purpose is or why they're doing what they're doing? Because with our younger demographic, that's one of the biggest challenges that you know you mentioned is people don't know what they want to do. Yeah. There's so many choices, right? Yeah, absolutely. So what you can do, it really gets entangled in a bunch of confusion in trying to uncover that. But, you know, there's seminal moments in your life. There really are. And they're during everyone's life. Sometimes they're too painful to face. So self-discovery is so, so very important. Being able to face, I, mean, I don't mean this to be therapeutic or anything, but we need to face the road that we were given, the road that we've been on. And we need to be okay that we had to walk that road. And it takes a long time for people to say, I'm okay with that. And while there were some unfair things that happened to me along the way, there's a lot of things way outside of my control, but they happened to me. So what are those seminal moments within that pain that's developed the person that I am today? I tell you, man, if you grapple with that, it, it is revelatory. It really, if you would just grapple with that, and it's hard finding someone that will help you grapple with that, not trying to sell coaching, but yeah, great avenue though. But <laughs> oh, it is very helpful. <laughs> it is very helpful, and 
and with the right person on the other side. Uh, but that's besides the point because it could be your best friend. You guys have gone to college together um, and uh, had times together. You're very good friends. That, that's a, a venue, an avenue for growth for you. You know, mentoring happens horizontally, vertically. You know, people that work underneath us. Um, who hasn't had to lead up? I'm sure in this office you might have to lead up occasionally mm-hmm. in order to get things done. Leadership is not title. As uh, John Maxwell, my number one go-to guy, always said, if you think you're leading and no one's following you, you're simply taking a walk. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> so in essence, leadership is influence. So everyone has the opportunity to influence. But you got to grapple with you. And the biggest thing that I deal with in my profession is what people look in the mirror at every day. That's the biggest stumbling block to them getting wherever it is they're going. You know, part of your story, I've noticed, is embracing the difficult challenges that you went through. Mm-hmm. And that that, like Brent said, has been an integral part in your growth. Mm-hmm. And Seeing that in my life, seeing that in friends' lives and mentors' lives is a common theme is when you embrace your pain and those difficult challenges and you work through them and you're able to share those things with other people, you become more authentic and your influence grows because you've gone through this and you've had victory. Yeah. And you're okay with it. Mm -hmm. You know, think about it. I picked cotton. If I hadn't picked cotton, bent my back at 10, 11 years old, out right beside my mom, uh, doing that thing, sharecropping, doing things, being diminished and talked down to. There's really only two things that can happen through our experiences. Either we get bitter or we get better. I'm choosing better. That was experience was pivotal for me, Looking, never looking at a person and going, I think that I'm better or I think that I'm somehow achieved some place where I've earned the right to look down on someone else. Without that experience, with my success afterwards, that may have been the outcome. So I needed to share cropping. The fields that I worked in, uh, being called the N-word, not being able to go into restaurants where other people were, uh, looking at newspaper where people were being lynched. I needed those experiences. And today, I, I don't hold anything against anyone. I have no chip. None was so anyone that knows me knows that I look at everyone equally and I love everyone the same because I don't know their experience. Thank you for sharing a little bit more about your story. It has been so great having you on the podcast. So jumping into more just bullet questions, quick answer. Share one book that you recommend. Simon Sinek's Why. I definitely recommend recommend that book. I believe every person, particularly if you're in a uh, business venture or business is your avenue in life. You need to read Cynic's uh, work or at least listen to his TED Talk on why. Um, I think that was a pivotal uh, turning point in, in business, uncovering that. Definitely, and that's the one book I would recommend above all others. I do love that book. It's mm-hmm. great. Yeah. Start With Why by Simon Sinek is, it has so many good principles. Indeed. And recommend one resource that is helpful for you in everyday life. I mentioned it before, but being encouraged. What I do to be encouraged myself is I get up and I meditate 
on uh, what I'm expecting doing that day, look at my calendar, and really put some meditative uh, context around that of some outcomes that I really want to see happen that day. And they're all geared towards making the other person a hero of that conversation. You know, so I want to be a hero maker. And that day, so it's never about me. You know, you can't offend a dead person. And I think that I've died to myself in that area of my life. It's just not about me. So mm-hmm. to go out and make a hero that day is uh, whatever it is that encourages you. Let me just share one quick thing. Could I, uh, six weeks ago, Be Encouraged has become such a seminal part of my life that I created a Be Encouraged page. It's called a Be Encouraged group. And we started that six weeks ago. Today, there's 2,500 members in 21 different countries in 27 other 50 states. That's amazing. Yeah, (laughs) that we find something that needed to be broached. We did. No selling, no promoting. You can't even talk about your business. The only thing you can do on that page is encourage your fellow human being. And I'm part of that page, so I see those things come through and I'm like, wow, that is really helpful. Yeah, and I never is. thought of it this way. And that's so refreshing in today's age of social media where everything has a hidden message or ulterior motive mm-hmm. to just be not just direct and upfront, but in a, a positive, you know, profound manner just with your other human beings. Yeah. I think is that that's the, the true intent of what, you know, social media should be. I think so as well. So two resources there. One, meditation on your day. Mm-hmm. And two, join Frank's the Be Encouraged group. Yeah, please, <laughs> please do. Yeah, we think we'll hit critical mass at 10,000. We think that the momentum would be so strong at that point that uh, it'll be impossible to stop. Yeah, I believe it. Yeah, join it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Frank, it's been such a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Um, share one parting piece of guidance, the best way to connect with you, and then we'll say goodbye. Yeah, Frank Sinclair, my phone number is 719 719- Four six zero two four five three Dream Again COS at Gmail dot com. I thought, why well, pay for one? <laughs> but <laughs> it works for me. <laughs> yeah, uh, my um, website's not completed yet, but I uh, Dream Again Facebook page as well. You can look me up there. Call. Let's have a one on one. Let's talk about you. Let's talk about me. Let's find some common ground and see how we can all dream again together. I love it. Thank you again for being on the podcast, Frank. This is John Mark. And this is Brent signing off. Well, John Mark, I had such an amazing time listening to Frank's story. You know, that's one thing that I really enjoy about this podcast is being able to see all of the trials and tribulations that our different guests have and how they overcome it and just hearing a different perspective on life. And I think compared to all of the other guests we've had on so far, he has a very unique experience. But I think the biggest thing that I took away from it, or the thing I liked the most, was his idea of just intentionally making people the hero of the conversation or the hero of their interaction. And I think that's a really powerful thing in life and in business that is counterintuitive and falls to the wayside. Because in business, your initial thought is, what do I get out of this? But Frank has the opposite approach, and obviously it's worked really well for him. Yeah, and there were, he dropped so many value bombs and just a lot of things for personal growth. One, encouraging yourself every single day. But then he took us through an incredible story, his story, of 
what happens when pain is embraced and you learn from it and you learn from those challenges. And he's had multiple of those situations all throughout life. And from each one, he has learned something incredible that's brought him to where he's at now. So we really, really enjoyed having Frank on, on this episode of the podcast. Be sure to tap that subscribe button on your favorite podcast hosting platform, because let's face it, you know you want to. And check us out on Facebook to stay up to date on all things Attitude Check. And a special thank you to our listeners that share our episodes. It's really helpful for us. And make sure while you're at it to check us out on Instagram too, to check out some different forms of content and different media that we're pushing out. We really appreciate all of the support that you listeners give to us, and we're looking forward to doing a great job for you in the future. Check back every first and third Tuesday of the month for a new episode of Attitude Check. Thanks so much for joining us on this episode, and we'll catch you next time.